So, hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, today is the wrap-up of a crazy, awesome, exhausting, exciting, beautiful, wonderful, exhausting week called Vacation Bible School. A huge thank you again to everyone who made this week just so, so great. Our theme throughout this week was monumental, uh, talking about the greatness of God. And so today, I want to marry this monumental idea with our ministry and our mission to the next generation. Uh, but before we kind of get into that, let me, let me just ask a question. Um, I didn't really grow up in church. Uh, my family was one of those Christer families. We went to church on Christmas and Easter, a few other times throughout the year, like Mother's Day, the high holy day of the church. Um, but, uh, but just, I didn't grow up in church, but just show of hands, how many of you all grew up in church? Okay, keep your, keep your hands up. Now, uh, put it down if you were born uh, before 1950. Okay, born before 1960. Put it down if you were born before 1970, 1980, 1990. Okay, I won't go any, I won't go any further. You just make, you make me look old then. Um, but... Um, <clears throat> Back in, back in the 1950s, 60s, it was, it was sort of a given that, that almost everyone went to church or, or temple or, or whatever it might be. And then that started to change in, in the 60s and then into the 70s. And then uh, those people of the 60s, 70s started having children who were born then in the 80s like me. And church attendance became sort of just like hit or miss. And, and so now I'm at this stage of my life where I have friends that, well, they didn't grow up in church and they're not really religious and friends that, uh, that did the whole church thing. They did youth group. They did VBS. They went off to college and did the Wesley foundation at Florida state with me, but now they don't attend a church anymore. And so obviously somewhere along the line, the church is messed up. The, the church has, has fallen short and we can point to all sorts of reasons and things and people, and we can make a lot of excuses and, and justifiably, we can also rightly blame a lot of things and a lot of people. Sure. Sure. We can do that. But also that's not really helpful because here we are now in 2022 and we have children that are born in the 20s, like the 2020s and the 2010s and the 2000s. And it just like blows my mind that a kid or a young, a young person now who is born the same year that I graduated high school is like applying to colleges. Like, man, that just boggles my, my mind. It makes me feel old. But here's, here's my point is that we have an entire generation of students coming behind us in the faith. And so this is the question for us today. Not the question for, for yesterday, not the question for the 1950s, not the question for the 1960s or any of that. This is our question here today. And it's a question that we have to wrestle to the ground. And the question is this, what is the faith of the next generation worth? What, what is the faith of the next generation worth? And what is the faith of the next generation worth to you or is your faith just your own personal faith? I, I doubt that that's true because, well, you're here in a church. You're surrounded by other believers in a community. I, I bet that you have some sense of responsibility that this faith doesn't just go with you, but it goes beyond you. 
So that's the question. What, what is the faith of the next generation worth? And what is the faith of the next generation worth to you? And so as you chew on that for a little bit, I, I want to take us to an Old Testament story, uh, the story of Joshua. There's a whole book written about Joshua. It's called the book of Joshua. Yeah, really original. Uh, but actually, Joshua's story doesn't begin in the book of Joshua. It begins in the book of Exodus, the, story, the book right before it. And it starts with a man named Moses. Now, Moses was the leader of the Israelites at this time. He's the one that led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt under Pharaoh, um, led the people through the wilderness for 40 years. But Moses never actually led the people out of slavery and into their new home, the, the land that God promised them. Through Moses, the people were delivered out of slavery, but they never actually made it to their new home. They got really close with Moses. Actually, they got right to the border and Moses said, hey, we should send out some spies just, just to scope out the land, do a little recon mission, report back. So Moses sent out 12 spies. Uh, all of them came back with the same message, except for two of them. All of them came back with the message, it's impossible. The, the people who live there, they're huge. They outnumber us. If we try to go into their land and take over it, uh, they're, they're just going to crush us. But two of them came back with a report of faith. It was Caleb and Joshua. And they came back and said, well, if God is for us, then what? Who can be against us? They saw, they saw possibility where everyone else saw impossibility. Unfortunately, Moses didn't listen to Joshua back then. And so they decided to keep wandering around in the wilderness until an entire generation, an entire generation passed away. Everyone passed away except for two people, Caleb and Joshua. And so fast forward a decade or so, Moses is in his old age. He's about ready to pass away. But before he does, he passes on some wisdom to the next leaders of the Israelites being Caleb and Joshua. So before Moses uh, passes away, he gives some final instructions. And this is what he says in Deuteronomy chapter eight. Moses says, remember, remember, remember the Lord, your God. He is the one who gives you the strength to be prosperous in order to establish the covenant he made with your ancestors way back when. And that's how things stand right now. Moses says, when you make it into your final home, when you make it into the promised land, when the promise is fulfilled, when your faith is rewarded, I want you to remember. Remember that it is God that has made all of this possible. Don't forget that God made a way when there was no other way. Don't ever forget that God has been with you all along. Remember, remember that God is faithful and remember that this is the same God as the God of your ancestors. So we fast forward again. Moses has now passed away. Joshua becomes the new leader of the Israelites to bring them into the land that God had promised them all those years ago. And now they're just right about there. They're standing on the banks of the Jordan River, waiting, <laughs> waiting to pass into this land that they've been hoping for, for all of these years. This is it. This is the moment, except for there's one problem. There's a giant river in their way. <laughs> the Jordan River is standing between them and the land that they have been hoping for for 40 years. But remember, 
remembered Joshua. Remember those words from Moses before he left you. And he said, remember, remember God, remember God who makes a way. And so Joshua does something uh, really kind of bizarre. He tells the priests who are there with him to pick up the, the Ark of the Covenant or the chest of the covenant and, and to walk out into the middle of the Jordan River. So pick up, pick up the chest, the Ark of the Covenant, which is sort of like God's mobile home, like God resides there, but you could move it around and, and walk God's mobile home right into the middle of the river. And let's just see what happens. <laughs> And so this is what happens. This is where our story picks up. Joshua chapter three. It says, so the priest carrying the Lord's covenant chest stood firmly on dry land in the middle of the Jordan. Meanwhile, all Israel crossed over on dry land until the entire nation finished crossing over the Jordan. Well, let's just let's just pause here for a second because we we read this and we might not think too much about this, but just just imagine that you're here. You've been wandering around in the wilderness for all of this time. You've you've never you've never really had a home. You've never settled down. You've you've known nothing but wilderness. You've never had a home, and and, and now's the moment where this promise is going to be fulfilled. And and imagine imagine you're actually one of the priests there. You walk out into the middle of the river and instead of making a mad dash for the finish line, you stand there in the middle of the river until the entire generation, everyone else, until the entire nation comes through safely on dry land. So here's, here's why I bring this up. I think all of us need to be like these priests. And let me, let me explain that. Let me just make it kind of clear for you. Here's how I envision this scene looking today. That those of you who have kids that have now grown up and, and they're out of the house, that you would actually go back and stand in the middle of a wild two-year-old Sunday school classroom to make sure that those kids make it through. Those of you who have kids that have now gone off to college and maybe they've started their careers, that, that you would go back and stand in the middle of a crazy youth nine square tournament and make sure that those high school students make it through all right. That, that whoever is coming behind you, that you would go back into the middle of wherever they are, stand there and make sure that they make it through this passage safely because you we're there because, because here's the thing. Here's the thing. We all have someone who is coming behind us. And, and whenever God makes a way through something into something new, whenever God makes a way, God always uses someone or someone's. When it was the Red Sea, it was Moses and his staff that split the sea wide open. Here, it's now the priest with the Ark of the Covenant. Whenever God makes a way, God uses someone. And so looking back on your own life, you, you might think of moments where, where God has made a way for you out of some bad things into some good things. But, but looking back, was there somebody who was there standing with you? that God used? Well, was there somebody who, who was standing in the middle of that to be with you in the middle of it all, 
in the middle of the mud and the muck and the mire so that you could pass through to the other side? Well, was there somebody there who helped you when your parents got divorced? Somebody who helped you when you were flunking out of school. Somebody who helped you when, when you were, had some bad habits and some addictions and relationship issues. And when you moved into a new town with no friends, was there, was there somebody there to meet you in the middle of it all who was waiting for you to guide you through to the other side? And now here's, here's the, really, the really big question, Right? Who are you doing that for? Who, who are you standing in the middle for to guide them through to the other side? How, how is God using you to make a way through? Because we all have somebody who's coming behind us. You, you might be retired, but you got some empty nesters who are coming behind you. You, you might be empty nesters, but, but you got some young adults who are coming behind you. You're a young adult. You've got some high school students coming behind you. You're a high school student. You've got middle schoolers, elementary schoolers coming behind you. And, and what are you doing to make a stand in the middle of their life to ensure that they can get through? All right, we got to move on because that's only like one verse. So we, here's, the rest. here's the rest of the story. Joshua chapter 4. It says, when the entire nation had finished crossing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, pick 12 men from the people, one man per tribe, command them, pick up 12 stones from right here in the middle of the Jordan, where the feet of the priest had been firmly planted, bring them across with you and put them down in the camp where you are staying tonight. This is kind of weird. Notice that God tells them, to go back into the river after they had already made it through, go back into the river and pick up stones. Now, why didn't God, you know, relay this information a little bit earlier? Like as they were going through, God said, oh, hey, pick up a couple stones on your way out or on the other side of the riverbank, you know, once they made it through. But, but here's why I think God did this. That God wants us to remember not just how we made it through, God wants us not to just celebrate the finish line, but God wants, to re- wants us to remember that it was God who brought us through the middle of it all. God says, go back into the waters that I brought you through. Go back into those waters that you waited 40 years to cross through and bring something out of it to symbolize where you have been and what I have brought you through so that you never, never forget. And I want you to set that up to tell the next generation. Story goes on. Verse four says, Joshua called for the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one man per tribe. Joshua said to them, cross over into the middle of the Jordan up to the Lord, your God's chest, the Ark of the Covenant. Each of you lift up a stone on his shoulder to match the number of the tribes of the Israelites. This will be a symbol among you. In the future, your children may ask, what do these stones mean to you? Then you will tell them that the water on the Jordan was cut off before the Lord's covenant chest. When it crossed over the Jordan, the water of the Jordan was cut off. These stones will be an enduring memorial for the Israelites. 
the Israelites did exactly what Joshua ordered. They lifted 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, matching the number of tribes of the Israelites, exactly as the Lord had said to Joshua. They brought them over to the camp and put them down there. Joshua set up 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan where the feet of the priest had stood while carrying the covenant chest. They are still there today. God calls them to go back into the middle of the water. Each of them take out a stone, a memorial stone, a a monument, if you will, so that when the next generation sees these stones stacked up, they'll ask, what's up with these stones? (laughs) And there will then be an opportunity for a testimony for them to say, this is what God has brought us out of. And so I wonder, I wonder, what would your memorial stone be? What would your, what would your monument stone be? What, what is it that God has brought you out of that you can point back and say, that was God. In the middle of the mess, in the middle of the mud, in the middle of the uncertainty, in the middle of the grief, in the middle of the loss, in the middle of the addiction, in the middle of all of that, God was there. And look, I've got the stones to tell about it. Now what's, what's that one thing in your life that you can pass on to the next generation, reminding them of God's faithful love. See the Israelites, they set up these stones, not for themselves. They were there. They set up these stones for the next generation so that they could tell their stories and say, here's what God is capable of doing. This is what God has done for us. And this is a sign that God will be with you now. God is faithful. And so here's the question again, that we all have to wrestle with. What is the faith of the next generation worth? What is the faith of the next generation worth to you? What, what stones are you stacking up? The testimonies, the stories of how God has moved in your life. What, what stones are you stacking up so that you can share them with the next generation and point back to them so that they can see that God is faithful. That no matter how bad I messed up, I, I know that, that God loves me no matter what. That God has been with me through thick and thin. God is with me everywhere. I I know that that God is in charge because we have an awesome God. I I know that God is stronger than anything. I, I know, I know that we have a surprising God because I've made it to through the other side. And these stones, these monuments, those memories, you can point to them and say, we've got an awesome God. So here's how the story ends. And I'll wrap up with this. It says the people came out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month. They camped at Gilgog on the east border of Jericho. Joshua set up at Gilgog those 12 stones they had taken from the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, in the future, your children will ask their parents. What about these stones? Then you will let your children know. Israel crossed over the Jordan here on dry land. And this was because the Lord, your God dried up the water of the Jordan before you until you crossed over. This was exactly what the Lord, your God did at the Reed sea or the red sea. He dried it up before us until we crossed over. This happened 
so that all the earth's people might know that the Lord's power is great and that you might always revere the Lord, your God. We, we did this because God has done this before at the Red Sea and here now. So what are you? What are you leaving behind for those who are coming behind you in the faith? How, how are you using your faith? Those monumental stones from the middle of the mess, from the middle of, of a miracle that you didn't see as a miracle at the time to bless the next generation. Because, because when they're in the middle of something, when, when they're in the middle of, of their mess, when they're in the middle of their miracle, they're going to need somebody to stand in that with them, to encourage them and to say, look up here. I know that God is faithful because I've been through this and I've gone through it and you will be too. Let, let God make a way through you. Let's pray together. So God, you are faithful through the ages. You are the God of Abraham and Moses Joshua, the God of the prophets, spoken to us, put us back on the right track. Lord, you're the God that walks with us. You're the God that gave your life in faithful love to us and gave us your Holy Spirit to always be with us. And so, Lord, whatever it is that, that we are walking through right now, remind us of your presence here with us. Your, your faithful love might meet us here. But also, Lord, remind us that we have people coming behind us in the faith. And give us the courage to stand with them and be there with them through it all. God, help us to be your church. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.